Yeah, thanks Francesca. This is Greg Milo and welcome to Activate This Spot where we talk about activating, putting into action, making things active in Akron, Ohio and beyond hopefully, you know, Akron's an international city, um, all-American city at least. <clears throat> you know, I remember when I was younger, in my 30s, when um, I was trying to, you know, had the chicken cross the road, well, with a crossing guard. And I was looking for a crossing guard because I wanted to get from one side of the road to the other because the side that I was on is where I had left my car to get fixed. And the, the other side of the street was a candy shop and I wanted to get over there <clears throat> and I couldn't there's so much traffic and I was uh, so I ubered a crossing guard he came I mean two minutes later uh, threw him a couple bucks he helped me cross the street and uh, I really think we need a lot more available crossing guards who are you know at a moment's notice they're there you need to cross the street they come and uh, they help you along and you know because they got a sign they say they have a sign that says stop and then uh, you're able to cross the cross street anyway in this uh, episode episode six we uh, we touch upon that uh, we touch upon that I mean not exactly um, but the idea of how the chicken cross the road Anyway, I've invited a guy by the name of Jason Segedy, who, uh, he's not a crossing guard. Um, he might be. I'm not really sure what his title means, but he's going to help us figure out how to activate uh, Akron in a way that has never before been thought of. Just hasn't. Anyway, he's going to be coming here in a second. Jason Once the needle the other uh, side of the gets to his voice, actually it's going to be my voice there. first, Jason <clears throat> and then, then his voice. Alright, here, here I am. I'm, I'm uh, about, I don't know, 30 feet from West Market Street. We'll get a little bit more into that topic in a second. I, I, I want to talk some street action. Here, uh, underneath, underneath a tree in the shade. It's a nice breezy day. It's sunny out, but we're in, we're in the shade. Um, kind of like if you're on the beach and you got that umbrella over you because you want to be out in the sun, but you don't really want to be out in the sun. And then we're at the just outside Nervous Dog, which is a coffee bar, not to be as confused with a cafe maybe or tavern coffee spot. And I've asked. Uh, Jason Segedy to come come meet me here so I can really figure out what this activation, how we can really put this activation thing to use. So, um, so hey, thanks Jason. Thanks for, for having me. Yeah. And I can confirm it's a beautiful, sunny, breezy day See? here at the Nervous Dog Coffee Bar. It really is. <laughs> and whenever you got two breezy. people who agree on a fact, that makes it a fact. I think I think that's in the rule books. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Um, and J Jason, I wanted to talk to you because, you know, 
sometimes I see your name here and there, or I'll see you on pictures on Facebook. I'll kind of just troll them out, and, and you're there, and it usually has something to do with like city or cities or metro or city. And so I thought maybe you know something about activating spots. So yeah, what is it? Who are you? So I'm uh, Jason Segedy. I'm the planning director for the city of Akron. And uh, prior to this job, I was the director of AMATS, which is an agency that nobody's ever heard of, but uh, it's called a Metropolitan Planning Organization. And we oversaw transportation planning um, in Summit and Portage County. So I've been doing this um, in one way or the other, gosh, for, t for 24 years now as an urban planner. Why do you think uh, people just don't know AMATS? I think it's um, because it's a, a lot, you know, urban planning a lot of times isn't necessarily a household topic or on a lot of people's radar. <laughs> and then on the back of cereal boxes either. Right, right, yeah. And, and then on top of that, um, AMATS dealt mostly in federal transportation funding. So uh, if there, I think there are more obscure, arcane topics mm. out there, but um, that's probably up there yeah. as far as things that aren't on people's radar. <laughs> I think so like the federal Federal Reserve is to the economy. AMATS is to a, a city. city yeah, planning. trying to think of a good analogy. Maybe uh, maybe the analogy would be to like architecture or something. Which mm. at least that's something that people generally have heard of and uh -huh. understand that it involves buildings and so forth. So yeah, I think with AMATS, at once you got past federal funding, people's eyes tended to glaze over right, <laughs> right. at that point. Yeah. So. When you get hired on there, do you get like a little pack of Legos so you can kind of like with, with your spare time just build things anyway just to get an idea of just to just to get the hand in? Mm -hmm. Well, it, that was I mean, it's been an interesting contrast coming from Amats to the city. So, you know, Amats things tended to be pretty long term and uh, there actually was a fair amount of money to implement with and it, the city it's a little bit the opposite the budget's tighter of course the city does have money but um, not quite as flush as the federal government <laughs> right. um, was but then the, I think the trade-off is that the city things are very short-term and immediate yeah. and you can really see um, you know the planning's effect on neighborhoods mm -hmm. and people so uh, both jobs have been very rewarding, but I think yeah. they have their pros and cons. Right. I, one of the cons, I guess, for the city is people's patience with projects being completed. And probably since nobody knows AMATS, then people don't have an opinion one way or another if a project is taking a long time. Or am I just throwing a dart and hitting someone in the head? No, that's a really good observation, actually, that I think at AMATS it was, it was fairly obscure, so people didn't really know what you did, which when you were trying to be impactful or get the word out was frustrating, but yeah. um, I guess the other side of the coin is, you know, there weren't a lot of people very energized, you know, in an angry way about it either. And, um, you know, the city, it's a little bit, again, the opposite yeah. that, uh, you know, there people have a very good idea generally of what the city does, maybe not so much with urban planning, but, um, you know, the flip side is people can be, you know, upset or impatient. So I think sometimes justifiably, maybe other times, at least in my opinion, unreasonably, but... Uh, do you have uh, a particular story you could tell about someone being, under, without naming names, a, a pretty good, funny person being unreasonable? 
with the city. Boy, there 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 are a lot of instances, I guess. But um, I mean, I think one that's a real world thing that I, I don't think was so much unreasonable, but at least like um, something that cities deal with. So um, the restriping of Kenmore Boulevard. You know, we had talked about that, and maybe that probably is a good segue into our activation yep, yep. conversation. Um, you know, Kenmore Boulevard's four lanes carries, you know, between six and 8,000 vehicles a day, which is pretty low for a four-lane street. And mm-hmm. Kenmore Boulevard had grown up as a, a streetcar line, and so it had that nice wide median. And the business district, which is really, from like a physical standpoint, one of the best preserved, you know, old buildings up on the street, kind of the classic walkable neighborhood that you would like to see. Um, it was kind of ripe for how can we make this area feel a little more pedestrian friendly, bike friendly, um, take advantage of that walkable um, streetscape as we planners like to call it, but with activating the businesses. And so the Kenmore Neighborhood Alliance started a couple years ago and their mission as a community development corporation is to look at you know, how do we improve the business climate and the look and feel of the street at the same time. And so we worked with them and with residents and business owners and did quite a bit of outreach about, hey, we'd like to restripe this street um, to two lanes, which it can definitely carry that little, you know, two lanes is, is feasible for that little traffic. Um, but, you know, we went and did it and then there was a huge outcry in the neighborhood. And, and, and you know, I think everybody came at it from a different place. I would never begrudge or, or not try to be sympathetic to people having something change. I mean, change is always hard, but, you know, there were people, I think, that were painting some pretty obscure scenarios about, you know, what if there's a funeral procession or an ambulance? You know, we've had the fire department time their runs. They're unchanged. They're no different. There's plenty of room there to pull over or to pull forward to where you can pull over. Um, It's one of those things that's just, it's really not an issue um, but in people's perception, it is. So yep. I think what, that's one of the, the challenges and opportunities, I think, with being a city official is to try to understand and be empathetic, but also to try to, you know, maybe catalyze some change and, and push back a little against the status quo. Yeah. The status quo um, is a very difficult thing to, to challenge because people get comfortable with the way things are. And a lot of what, like... You do, and you like to bike. I do. So this idea of kind of transferring Akron into a bikeable, walkable city, I can't imagine the challenge of trying to turn that into the status quo um, because people like their cars and get to places without sweating or, like, get there fast. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it is a challenge, and and, and as I said before, in some ways it's also an opportunity, and, and I think... You know, I, I was just joking with someone the other day. I said, if they put an epitaph on my tombstone, I would really like it to say <laughs> hey, he, he believed, believed in, in balance. balance. Because it's like, <laughs> yeah. really is kind of my, my motto. That'd be and cool if your tombstone was like a teeter-totter. I actually literally, someone mentioned that yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, the only thing that would be better is if it was embossed with like a yin-yang symbol <laughs> yeah, on, right. the, on the teeter-totter. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. Um, if my wife's listening, maybe she can do that in the, the funeral planning. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is a challenge because I think, you know, I love my car, too. And when I'm in a car in Akron, you know, I, I want to get places quickly. Um, but it is that balance of how do we make a better city for people on 
you know, whether you're on a bike, whether you're on foot, whether you're on a bus or whether in your car. And I, I think it's fair to say, go into the balance theme that, you know, since probably before World War II or the Great Depression, when cars became prevalent, you know, by 1929, I was just reading this, 87% of households in the United States already had a car. So um, they were already pretty widespread by the time the Great Depression started. And I think it's fair to say that over the past 90 years, we've really kind of oriented everything around getting people as quickly as possible um, from here to there in a car. And I mean, the downside in a city environment, at least, is that you sacrifice, you know, pedestrian safety. You you actually sacrifice, you know, vehicular safety to some degree if traffic's too fast. And maybe the biggest thing you sacrifice is like the look and feel of a neighborhood and yeah. what it feels like to walk to something. So. You know, I think our job is to try to understand the culture of, yes, we're a car-dependent society. No, Akron won't be Manhattan anytime soon, but not to use that as an excuse for just doing nothing or accepting the status quo. Because I do think there are incremental ways that we can make our streets um, friendlier for everybody, not have people driving 10 miles an hour, but maybe not having them drive 50, which... I, I think some of the cars that are going by us right now are definitely going 50. I think so. Um, I want to get to the Market Street, this very, very location, this location right here. But just uh, the complication of we have a fast-paced society. I was in, just a couple weeks ago, I was in Cuba. That's an old Havana, definitely a walkable city that tends, in, from my experience, whether in Europe or in Cuba, that tends to slow down society. Um, and they're comfortable with that. That's just the way it is. And kind of like what you were saying, this isn't going to be a Manhattan, but, but that can't happen here, at least like right now. The idea that, okay, we're just going to slow everything down, everybody's going to walk. Um, there's just too many things that that, that wouldn't work. Is that, that about right? I mean, it's a great observation. I mean, I think that one thing I always try to think about, and it plays on to that theme, is that, you know, in a way going slower, uh, it, it's kind of all a matter of perspective. And it's also, you know, there, there's a truism. I've studied transportation planning for a long time that there's a, almost every society in human history, even going back 5,000 years, people are not that comfortable traveling more than 30 minutes to something. And so it's just a matter of how do you get there? So, you know, 5,000 years ago, 30 minutes was basically a mile and a half. That was about as far as you could walk and everything was designed to be within a mile and a half. Well, today, you know, 30 minutes can be 30 miles or more. And so I think what we found is as as people are able to travel faster it, it, people still take about the same amount of time to get to things. It's just the amount of stuff kind of spreads out accordingly. And that, like, that's another trend. You know, in 1915, you, you didn't drive 30 minutes to work, you know, I mean, or 30 miles to work. You might have traveled 30 minutes, but it wasn't 30 miles. And so I think that's just a matter of perspective of, and those two things work against each other. So 
is you make cities more and more friendly to cars, then you spread everything out, and then it makes it that much harder to have things feel intimate or slower or walkable. So and you have to maintain all that. Exactly, it's yeah. a lot of infrastructure. So I think again, it's just that that balance of recognizing, you know, we we are as spread out as we are. That won't change in our lifetimes, but what can we do to not make that worse <laughs> right, and, yeah. and maybe make it a little bit better? Yeah. You ever read uh, Perfect Segway here? You ever read those Jane Austen novels? I remember reading <laughs> Pride and Prejudice many you know, years ago. You know how when they go to the country? Like in my mind, reading those books, it was always like, oh, they went miles and miles away to get to the country. But really, they're like going like two miles outside London. Yeah, I think they walk the there. Like, yeah. you know, Mr. Bingley or whoever... Uh, <laughs> Whoever in that book was, I, I think you're right. Maybe, maybe they were in a carriage or maybe, something, yeah. but... So. Here we are. Okay, we, so we got West Market Street here, which might... Do you think that's the most famous street in Akron? Yeah, I think if we had to pick, um, or if I had to pick, I should say, I don't want to presume your <laughs> choice, but um, a, a street that, you know, is kind of thought of as like Main Street Akron where a lot of stuff is um, it would probably be uh, Market Street. I remember in the Akron anthology a couple years ago we included um, a piece called You'll Find It on Market Street and um, and, and I, by, uh, I think it was Eric Wasserman and it was very accurate You know, he said when he first moved to Akron he felt like everything was on Market Street and I remember hearing him interviewed on WAKR and ironically the studio is also (laughs) on Market Street. Yeah, how about that? Um, If you had to pick the top three streets, you got Market Street, what would be the other two? I mean, I think as far as streets with a lot of activity that are kind of, you know, main arteries that go the whole length or most of the length of the city, um, I mean, the, the, one, the first ones that come to mind are probably Market Street, Main Street, and uh, Arlington Street. Arlington. Oh, okay. See, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought of that one. But there is a lot of stuff going on. on a, lot, a lot going on in Arlington. How about that? And at one point, Arlington touches Market Street. That's right. In, uh, in Middlebury. That's, Middlebury. That's right. Anyway... So what would you? So we're at, like I said, we're at Nervous Dog underneath the tree, very romantic. In fact, it's very much like Jane Austen, right? <laughs> yeah. on just out in the. We even have the English Market Apartments <laughs> next right. door. <laughs> um, how about that? So we got this is a four-lane highway right here. Is that true? That's name? true. This is a four-lane state highway. State highway. Um, oh, because it, that's right. It's 18. Right. Um, what do you think about Market Street right here? Is it a good width or? I think on, on Market Street, there are opportunities um, to, to redesign it. Um, you know, this part of Market Street's busy, as, as everyone can probably hear from the background noise. <laughs> yeah. It would be, I think it would be hard to, to make this a three-lane street. Um, and when you get a little bit to the west of us in the heart of Wallhaven, uh, it, it becomes very busy. That's about 25, 26,000 vehicles a day. That's a hard amount of traffic to accommodate with just a lane in each direction. But I do think immediately to the east of where we are now, from uh, Elmdale to Twin Oaks, I think it would make sense to restripe that to three lanes because that uh, the lane drops at Twin Oaks anyway. We just rebuilt and redesigned the Elmdale intersection to make it a little safer. Oh, that's right. Um, and if we did that there, you know, you could have um, 
you know, that would slow the traffic down a little bit. It's a school zone anyway, so you're you know you're supposed mm-hmm. to be driving 20 when the Elms is in um, session, yeah. and and it would give us the opportunity maybe to do some bike lanes to Highland Square. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that on market, and then I think an issue on this part of market that I I've recommended to our engineers to look at is. Um, mid-block crossing. So, you know, we talked about doing this podcast at Hardesty Park originally. If we were to walk over there right now, it's really hard to cross here. Mm -hmm. And so maybe having, you know, like a marked pedestrian crossing that Mm. says, you know, state law yield to pedestrian (laughs) signage, I'm still not sure if that would do it. But um, Mm. I've measured this before. It's over 3,000 feet from Hawkins to Elmdale. It's a long stretch on a busy street to not have a, a official crosswalk. That is, there is no crosswalk. No, and and you know people, human nature. You know people are gonna cross. They're not gonna walk fifteen hundred yeah. feet out of their way to a light uh, to cross. I, I know I don't, and I live right sure. around here. So right. Um, so that is definitely something we could potentially activate. Is I wonder. Could, so when you do those crosswalks, they have to be a They can't be designed like with flowers and stuff, right? They have to just look like a crosswalk. It's kind of a matter, like nationally, that's been like a little bit of a debate, you know, a lot of um, urbanists, which that's a little bit of a slippery term, but, um, you know, urbanists generally are defined as people who are kind of pro-city, pro-neighborhood, pro-urbanists, changing the status quo in many cases. A lot of urbanists have advocated like artistic crosswalks, and I think they can be really cool. Um, Sometimes the friction comes in with engineers who have to follow design guidelines you know usually on like a residential street you can get away with a more artistic crosswalk i think mm-hmm. on market because it's a state highway and it's also part of what's called the national highway system um it might be harder to do that type of design but um but there still might be opportunities to use creativity and how you design the crosswalk and especially from like a a signage and making it safe standpoint so i mean i i kind of half joked but half seriously was saying I'm not sure people would respect the state law signs. I actually really don't think a lot of people would and so that does get into an issue of like how do you really make that crosswalk something that people will respect pedestrians in it and yield to them um, without maybe having to incur the cost of putting in like an actual traffic light which sometimes that is what you have to do but then you know you could be talking 80, 100, $120,000. So it's like trying to find that balance of how we uh, cost effectively make a safe crossing. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if you said, so there's a crosswalk all the way down to the west over there, Walhaven, at, uh, at Hawkins. 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 Mm-hmm. And then the next one is way east at uh, Castle Boulevard in Elmdale. Okay. Here's, here's an idea. Have you, you know, when you're in Washington, D.C. at the mall, have you, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to walk along the mall and uh, there's... Many times, there's, yeah. <laughs> there are these, I forget who it's connected with, what establishment it's connected with, but there's like the solar system, like miniature solar system that's like it has the sun and then you walk so many yards and there's Mars and then you walk so many yards and there's Venus, then the Earth, but they have it spread out on a scale that's... Oh, like proportionate. Oh, that's cool. So what if we do something like that? Because that makes you want to kind of walk. What if we do something like that so that you want to walk from Hawkins to Castle Boulevard? Like on the telephone poles, maybe there's like a few 
words, you have to get to the next one to read. There's a whole novel that's written on these telephone poles, but you have to walk in order to read it because just so many words are on each telephone pole or some, something like that. I, don't I think that's a really cool idea. And on top of that, just in addition to the crosswalk um, issue, I think, you know, like I've walked this stretch many times. And one thing that's unique and kind of unfortunate about this part of Market Street is um, well, the fortunate thing is it's pretty beautiful. You know, there's a, there's a nice mix of businesses. There's some beautiful homes. Um, we're looking right now for the listeners at the, the castle, you know, the historic castle mm-hmm. over at Melbourne yeah. Avenue for Castle Park, which I think is one of those cool random, you know, Akron yeah. things that everybody loves. So it's a neat street in that sense. But what's unfortunate is um, this side of the street and part of the other side, the, there's no devil strip. So mm-hmm. the sidewalk is right up on the street and you've kind of got this traffic speeding by you and you've got, um, you know, the poles reference, Greg reference, kind of ugly, you know, but necessary, obviously <laughs> sure, sure. necessary poles. So I really do like that idea of like almost, you know, planners sometimes call those breadcrumbs, like having yeah, yeah. something artistic along the way to make your walk like a little bit less monotonous <laughs> sure, or, right. you know, distract your attention. Yeah. Maybe with, maybe you pick up headphones at one location and then you put the headphones on and that kind of talks you through the walk. And also you don't then have to listen to all the traffic that's racing by. That, that, that's a good idea. I mean, I, I think the more creativity, the better. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so there's, that's, that's an idea. Ways to make walking a little less cumbersome. Because Absolutely. walking is such a, such a drag, apparently. Maybe. But, but not after uh, Greg Milo and Jason Sagadi are done with it. <laughs> if there was uh, part of my podcast is on uh, deactivating spaces like a space you just want to not see anymore um what would you say in akron is a space you'd love to deactivate so i would say the first one that pops to mind it 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 is one that that we've deactivated um officially but probably requires a little bit more deactivation and then reactivation if that makes sense (laughs) But that would be the inner belt. So the part of the inner belt that was vacated, um, it, you know, people are wondering the reason why it just looks like a, a vacant road right now is the city's still doing, um, you know, our combined sewer project, our Akron Waterways okay. Renewed project. That's why there's construction debris and vehicles parked on it. But, um, you know, we're, we're kind of looking right now, what would it take to redevelop the in, inner belt and what would that look like? And when I say redevelop, that could be everything from um, you know, like a, a green space, like a park or recreation space that could either be active or passive that people could use that just beautifies it um, or something that perhaps could be built upon. I think the building upon is hard because it's, you know, it's very isolated. It would be tough to connect it to the street grid. Um, but I think there are some op- opportunities for, you know, deactivating it further in terms of getting rid of the old road. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, planting grass or trees or whatever and eventually having it be a place people could use. So that's probably the first one that comes to mind yeah. for me. That inner belt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I see, you know, I run the towpath over that little bridge that um, goes over the inner belt. So, yeah, I've always been wondering. Big, 
pile of dirt right here, but right. What will happen what, what to will this happen? eventually? I wonder if you. It'd be cool. Maybe you just don't do it. Maybe you just make it into some experiment and see what happens to road over time if you just leave it and just just let it go, and then you have like a GoPro that films it. You can in the future speed it up and just watch it fast time. I mean, there's a, there's no shortage of uh, possibilities for that space, and then I think you know. Akron has a lot of these too. There are a lot of, um, you know, what planners call brownfields, you know, former industrial sites that might or might not have buildings on them. And, um, you know, I think one way of activating them, which is, uh, it goes to what you just said, which is not, um, you know, costly, is just kind of letting them go back to nature. I mean, I do think that there are sometimes, um, in my profession in particular, there's such a desire to build or develop, I mean, I think there are times that um, the best option is just to let something return to nature. And I mean, the, the, the rubber bowl is probably a good example yeah. of that. It's not really a site that's real conducive to development. You know, if there hadn't been a stadium there, there probably wouldn't really be anything there. It's right next to an airport, you know, so you couldn't really build uh, buildings per se, certainly not anything very high. And, uh, you know, the soapbox derbies there and I, that site, I don't think there's anything wrong with just letting that hillside, you know, become reforested. And sure. um, we have no shortage of developable land, other parts of the city. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Oh, 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 I just have one last question before I let you let you go. Sure. I'm sure you got work to do. I'm guessing uh, that is actually worthwhile uh, of all the council people on the Akron City Council, who's the most difficult to work with? Oh boy, that's like a no holds, that's a no holds barred, uh, barred question. Well, I'll, I'll give the, uh, the diplomatic yeah, good, uh, good. response, which uh -huh. is, is uh, actually I have a good personal rapport with everyone on council. And uh, there are times that our administration and certain council members don't always see eye to eye, but um, you know, we, we, we all serve the people of Akron and, and strive to work together, so. Um, I, I like all the council members personally, and um, you know we we have a planning committee we work with a lot, and uh, and it, it works. We're uh -huh. able to get through what we need to. So. That's good. As a, as a teacher myself, sometimes I have to give those similar answers. You know, when kids ask certain questions about maybe politics or something like that. Right. Do you, do you ever find yourself? And I guess this is now my last question. Do you ever find yourself? Because I do giving those uh, answers where you say absolutely like i hear it a lot like if i'm listening to npr where they ask a politician a question and they say well stuff's going to get done we're going to work really hard on that we're going to put our minds to it and together we're going to work as a team to accomplish what needs to be done like you never say anything but it, it becomes a soundbite you ever, right you ever find yourself in that situation yeah i mean I, I i i do try um really hard i i've i've always i guess been this way to some degree to be like a pretty open and honest yeah. person and so um to you know to the extent that i can I, I i strive to do that but it is i think where it gets really hard especially as a public official is even um not just in those like small p political moments but just even when it's a complicated problem or question where where really i think sometimes people expect you to have the answer to everything and it, right. it is hard when you're just not you know it's either a complicated issue that you can't explain in a soundbite or 
and this is even worse, but even more common, a complicated issue that you don't have a great answer sure. for. So I think that's one reason you'll sometimes hear people, you know, grasping at those straws or just kind of talking in these like general platitudes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, doing what needs to be done is a, that's probably a classic. <laughs> so, I've never heard anybody say they wanted to do what didn't, didn't need to be yep. done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, from here on out, let's do what needs to be done and we'll get this city activated. And let's not do what doesn't that need, to, doesn't be need done. to be done. That's not going to help yeah. anybody. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. I can see it at Rubber City right now. <laughs> right. Well, Jason Segedy, thanks so much for uh, spending your afternoon with me. Sure thing, Greg. Thanks. All right. Thank you.